You're listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick. Hi, I'm Hamish. And I'm Scott. And this is the branding special. This is a little... Uh, yes, Scott's got a, quite a few questions he wants to ask me for, for the listener benefit uh, to do with my uh, my processes, so I'll try and uh, answer them as, as best I can. Yeah, sure. No, so I guess the point of this is to tap into Hamish's brain and uh, and I guess make make the listener aware of the need for certain things in the package that you're presenting, especially if you're going to multinationals or going to retail, it doesn't really matter. You really have to have the full package in place. So you've got a pretty good idea where you're going, you've got a product to find. There's things like naming, which is really important. If you get the name wrong, it really goes against you. Uh, if you get it right, it's so powerful. It becomes part of your patent strategy because you can put it into your trademarks. You're selling more than just your product. You've also got this fantastic name, which sometimes, you know, it just sounds like a name, but if you get the right one, it can make such a difference to a product. It really can make it make it fly off the shelves because it's just really intuitive and works. So we've had a situation where we were stuck on a name and for me, either they come really quickly or they never come at all. So one of these projects, we have a very unique product uh, as I said in, uh, before, in a crowded market, and we needed to stand out, and we'd gone through two consultancies trying to find a name that had all these processes in place, and we were going nowhere. Months had gone by, and we really needed to get the um, the package together to make a video. Um, and we, I, I found Hamish along the way, and we put him to task on it, and he came up with a cracking name for this product, which was absolutely so appropriate. And once he once he'd said it. It was instant gel. You know, you could just say this is the best name this product could ever have. It became really, really powerful in our presentations to the multinationals and probably helped very much in getting across the line. So I guess I... Um, unfortunately, due to NDAs being in place... Yeah, we can't say... We, we cannot mention <laughs> we the We can't name. mention it, but it, it was a cracker. And but I, it was I, just I guess, trust us. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just in our conversations before this, we started this podcast, I was sort of trying to... To I guess formulate a plan for the for the podcast, but Hamish mentioned things like mind mapping and and um, you know the number of syllables, the length of, of words you can use, all these sort of things that you'd never imagine or came into it. But uh, it, I guess I'd like to ask Hamish, you know, just to sort of work through how he comes up with a, a really special name, the importance of it, and you know how he uses it to to create a very powerful package to present. Yeah, sure. I think uh, it's, first of all, important to, to point out there's three types of names. The first name doesn't exist. You don't have one. So you've got a critical problem. Then you have appropriate names. So you've got products that exist. They have a name. They can be worked with. They sound okay in other languages. And then you've got inappropriate names. They're, they're names that provide a stumbling block or a brick wall in terms of your marketing because they either don't sound right, they elude to other things there's too many negative connotations so i think it's important to have the distinction i know you said before a lot of these projects that i get given for naming people want the most appropriate name they want the best name they want the name that ticks all the boxes they want the name that's going to sell the product but oftentimes if you're just doing a straightforward branding like a rebranding project you're working with an existing name now that doesn't mean to say that it doesn't work it might not be 100 percent but we have to have the distinction here that when when we're looking at a unique product, a product that has just been patented, there is an opportunity there to get it right the first time because there are lots of products on the market where uh, the name has maybe been passed down through generations, uh, with, with, especially with a, a company, 
uh, and they've made it work or yeah. they've they've molded the message over the years to to work with how the company has evolved i think when we're talking about naming process now that's a totally different thing altogether that's where we're looking at starting from a brief and then going through to presenting name candidates uh, and and the way we uh, yeah, it's, it's it's such a, an enormous abstract concept i guess naming. the complication nowadays too is also you have to have a domain name you have to have a clear title and a business name it's so critical in this day and age so you probably have yes. to just discount a number of names to start with even though well, they're really good that's an interesting concept which an interesting um, uh, point which is should you discount a good name on paper if it's not available as a .com my answer to that is no if you've got a great name let's just say you've come up with the word uh, the name Acme. No one's ever thought of that before. Ridiculous. Right. Now, I can assure you that acme.com is taken. Now, does that mean that you should discount the business name, trading name, or product name as Acme? Have a Wiley Coyote coming after you for the. Well, no, the there isn't. Suit. Well, that, no, but what I'm saying is, let's just. Oh, no, it was, that was a ridiculous uh, example. But what I'm saying is, that should you throw out the name Acme if acme.com as a domain name is not available? No. A lot of the times because of the way the domain names work now and you've got people that literally squat on domain names to try and make money out of them, is to, the way you can get around that is to use uh, suffixes. So you can have acme-product or acme-industry, as in I'm talking about a word that you would use that you'd tag on uh, to, to your name as part of a domain name. That can work. I'm not trying to create an excuse for my line of work, but I've, I've seen too many people walk away from great names that were available, let's just say, as a trademark, just because it wasn't available as those set of letters as a .com or a .com.au. I think there is a lot at play and you can find workarounds. So again, okay. that's part of the business of naming is to yeah. pre present an argument, if you like, as to what, how a name can work. And how would you rate the importance of a good name in your marketing strategy again that's a very abstract concept i'll go back to that first point where there's three situations you don't have a name and you desperately need one for a product which is about to be launched which is often the case that i'll work with you is you know, you've got to the stage of a concept it's been developed there's a prototype sitting there you're going to an investor meeting what the hell do i call it that's one situation the other two situations are you've got an appropriate name a name that works it doesn't provide any roadblock or stumbling block or, or legal ramifications. And then there's the inappropriate name. The, an inappropriate name is simply one that you can't really work with. It has negative connotations. It's been used in a country that you're wanting to move into to trade and sell your product. In that case, we have to look at then we decide or it, well, the client decides that I can't use that name. I need a new one. So I guess, it's, I guess it's, my question is more, how, how does a good name relate to sales? Does a good name give you much more presence uh, better sales and a bad name doesn't have you have you seen any quantitative uh, analysis on that oh well uh, I, I suppose an example I have used uh, when talking to clients about names because <laughs> so, I mean, the subject is, is so vast but when you're choosing a name I, I, I've always found that people can tend to be quite conservative you, know, mm. you present a whole load of names a lot of them that I might come up with are totally abstract and they just sound 
funny. They, they, they don't actually mean anything. You can't look them up in the dictionary. It's just a made-up word. And they look at that and go, oh, no, that doesn't mean anything. But then I'll say, well, the beauty of that is you can attach meaning to it. Mm. So that's your opportunity is mm. if you can create something that sounds good, is uh, the correct number of letters that, so it, it doesn't go over, say, one to three syllables. Yeah. Because, uh, again, there's another trick there is, that, you know, what, between one and three syllables equals a good name because it, it can be then memorable. Yeah. Uh, once you start getting over the three-syllable mark, you're, you're, people will, uh, without you knowing, uh, and the, this is the thing, is that's where the market starts to control your, your image and your brand is that they'll start to uh, potentially... I guess Kleenex, uh, turn, turn it into Kleenex an is one of those things where you don't ask for a tissue anymore, you ask for a Kleenex, or you don't ask for a vacuum, you ask for a Dyson, or it used to be a... Oh, people, the, the problem is people will start to, the market will abbreviate a name if it's too long. Yeah. I always find that you know, if, a, if a name is really appropriate to a product and it's catchy, it's, it seems far more likely that someone's going to remember it and tell their friends about it. That's, is, that a, is that a real thing? If you look at a name in isolation, and that's the trick, is not to look at a name in isolation. And that's the problem with the naming project is everyone is hell-bent on looking at what's on the sheet of paper and what I'm presenting. But then you've got to put it in context with the market you're going into and the product it's being attached to. So, you know, you've made the comment before, you know, are people going to tell their friends about it? No. Well, I, I doubt it. I mean, have you ever been to a shop and you ring up a friend and say, oh, I've just passed a product on the shelf. The name is this. Isn't it amazing? But that's just fanciful. And that's the problem that I've got to try and overcome is telling a client, look, this name's on this sheet of paper. I might come up with a thousand different combinations of, of, of different um, examples of names. If we just look at them in isolation and go, well, that one looks cool. That one's got the letter K, so it's a very, it could you know, end up being very strong visually. Yeah, that's good, but can it be spelt easily? Can it be pronounced easily? They're the sorts of things that you've got to look at in order to become memorable. So people aren't going to phone their friends and say, this is amazing. That just, that just doesn't happen in the real world. But what we could do is create a point where it is memorable so it's easy to, say, search for uh, online. There's a number of different tricks that I've got to use. I mean, if it's a crappy product, they're not going to care about telling their friends. But if it's a good product and they want to tell their friends and they can remember the name, it's probably an advantage, I would think. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you can call anything anything you want. I mean, that's it's a really difficult, hard-to-remember name <laughs> or spell even. Well, yeah, you know, it's going to be harder for them to translate that information and communicate the idea to mm. a, to another person's other word of mouth must mm. suffer surely. Yeah, and I think that we've got to come back to the brief. When you're looking at names, you have to be very, very clear in your brief because once you start going down the road of developing candidates for names, uh, it's very easy to get carried away with things that you're seeing on a page and to start dreaming up how it might work or might not work. You've got to have a reference point. Uh, as to what it, if you've got that opportunity correct to create a name for a new product is to you know what are we trying to achieve here with this name I mean an example I use often which is a well-known example is the company Virgin now I've always said to people that are having trouble looking at a, a name which they think is completely off the spectrum and think look at me as if I'm mad is to say okay well let's imagine a conservative board of directors and we're naming this company that does airlines and credit cards and phones and all that sort of stuff and I think you should call it Virgin now in a lot of cases it'll be laughed out the door because it, on its own in isolation it's ridiculous but if you start attaching a very good product to it uh, and then you start building up a reputation. It's not so ridiculous. In fact, you don't even people don't question the word virgin when they they don't laugh, they don't giggle, they don't sort of say, "Hey, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to buy an airline ticket." It's just there. It becomes may, part may of the scene. Quite shocking when they first launched, and that may have been part of their tactic. 
shot. It probably a was, shot tactic, but even then, it recognisable. It, yeah, I, look, and I think um, knowing a bit about knowing obviously Branson. knowing them, <laughs> uh, that's maybe why they did it because they wanted shock factor initially. But unfortunately, mm. what you've got to remember though is that shock factor just turned into uh, common everyday. Uh, it was a common everyday business. Uh, name it, no one thought no one blinked twice when they saw it they'd realize that it, what so it was yeah, and what, what it was in the market what i'm gathering from what you're saying is the name is one thing in isolation it's not necessarily the be all and all of the of the process but the brand strategy you put around that may be more important is that what you're saying no i'm saying that the name is extremely important but it's also uh, not important at the same time. If, right. if that probably doesn't make a lot of sense. That doesn't That's make good. any but sense. Again, <laughs> no, no, but what I'm trying to impress upon the listener here is, is that we uh, as consultants and people that invent, the name to us is absolutely critical because we've got this opportunity, it's our thing, we need to make sure people buy it. But when you put it out into the marketplace, we don't look at that name as a consumer the way that we do in the boardroom uh, and making decisions about that name. You know, we've got to come up with a name and make a decision that is going to be accepted in the market, yep. is going to be remembered in the market, which is going to sound the way it needs to sound in order to position uh, the product. I mean, you can have names that sound expensive, you can have names that sound cheap. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a lot like, like anything with the word crazy in it, for instance. I mean, you think that was going to be a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Uh, but then there's words... So the connotations, I mean, that probably comes into also even the, the colour of the word, the way the font's... Yes, at all. Messaging. I mean, it, all this sort of it, subconscious it sort, of, yeah. sort of messaging is, is what you look into. Yes, absolutely. So, again, the name is important for us as part of a project, but we've got to look at it from the perspective. We've got to remove ourselves when making a decision to say, okay, uh, you know, it, it, that's the thing. If you come up with a name that you think is shocking, that's, that's almost a good thing because mm-hmm. – and don't reject it. And that's the thing. I've spent so many, you know, times convincing people – to go with a particular name that they really weren't comfortable with because that's a good thing. I said, that's good because... You can futurise, you can put it in your mind how you want to plan out and you can sort of see in the future how it would would develop into their brand that will work for the for the company and the brand and the, and the product. Yeah, because it, on, on a, on the, on the, in the first instance, it will be memorable, perhaps. Uh, I mean, I, I, no one's got a crystal ball. No. You can, but that's the thing. You've got to be able to do, make the right, make the best decisions that you can based on the brief and based on the market that you're going into. Okay. We wrote down some words before, uh, before we started the podcast. You know, I'm, I'm as interested in this as anyone, so I'm just going to basically propose these questions to, to Hamish, as we, as we have been doing. But we had naming. We've discussed that quite in depth. Brand strategy, visual branding, and verbal branding. So can we just touch on brand strategy and how you go about that with a, with a brand new product that's quite unique? Okay. Well, it, it really depends. And uh, what is brand strategy? Can oh, you just uh, well, how long is it? In a piece of string. I mean, few words. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, a brand strategy. You, you ask five different consultants, you get five vastly different answers. I think. Uh, I mean, it's about it's making making a message. Yeah. It? You want it's a message you want people to perceive the company. I, mean, I know BMW has a certain kidney shaped grill. And they put it on every vehicle they have. And, and as soon as you see it, you know that's a BMW and you sort of show that a certain level of quality or sports, sports like handling with that vehicle. Because sure. you saw those, those kidney-shaped grills. Yep. It becomes part of their brand strategy. Okay, well, in, I, in, in that sense, yeah, because I, <laughs> I thought that was going to be a very difficult uh, concept to answer because, I mean, brand strategy... Uh, as a subject is is, it's part is, of name, is enormous. It's part of logo. It's part of. I know you don't like to use the word logo, but it's it's the full gamut. 
the message the company is putting out there. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, if we bring it back to messaging, messaging is everything, uh, anything and everything that your company does. So if we look at brand strategy from that perspective, and if we use, use the example of BMW, now brand strategy is not just the shape of the grill. That's the visual consistency that they use. That's the visual yeah. representation of that brand. However, if you... Product, if you what we call that... Uh, Product identity. Yes, you know, that's, that's so your that's identity. A consistent identity that we follow through, and we have to be conscious of that when we develop a product for an existing. Yeah. Range. Yeah. Yes, but 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 for for the listener that is trying to understand brand strategy, I think we'll, we'll, we've got to look at again. We'll go back to the BMW. If you look, well, they don't talk to to the market about this, but I can assure you that uh, brand strategy to them is everything from the way from from the exhaust note to what the car smells like, to how the controls on the dashboard feels like, to the experience that you get when you walk into the showroom, to the uh, customer service style, if you like, that you that you would have if you're you know, you're dropping it in to be serviced. Everything, absolutely everything from the top down is covered. And there's not a mistake, there's no, nothing is done by chance, put it that way. So if you look at brand strategy from that sense, if you're doing it properly, nothing that you do in your business operations is left to chance. Yeah. Uh, so if you're looking at a smaller company, that's why I don't like using big companies necessarily as an example, because uh, that's, it's, it's quite it's far removed. It's about triggering the right cognitive cues from yes. the user's perspective. Yeah, so for a smaller organisation or for someone that's starting out, uh, brand strategy can cover everything from the way you handle postage to the speed of that postage to what you wrap that product in when you send it out. I mean, I'm talking very small organisations here, but that all is absolutely critical. So you have to be aware of all critical. of this stuff when you're going to someone like Hamish and like me, he's probably looking at a, a thousand different things when he's coming up with your name or your logo or whatever and yeah I guess that's the same thing you've got to really tap into the uh, the knowledge base it's not all communicatable like I can't always tell you exactly why I've done certain things but I know in my gut it's the right way to push them and I'm sure you're the same well I think so I'll just cover off on that yeah and that's the thing with brand and messaging strategy is it's not everything that you say and you do it's sometimes the experience and that's where you've got to design the experience for your product and your company and that's looking at all the intangibles as well as the tangibles yeah. and making sure you're keeping on top of it yeah visual branding can you just touch on that one uh in 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 what would you like to well i've just got the word visual branding written down because we discussed it <laughs> i don't like you to very well organized here <laughs> inform me what that is all about uh well visual branding uh, quite literally is just the the visual representation of a brand and that comes down to uh, i think it look the way i look at it is you break it down to things like color shape that's at its very basic level so if you're uh, you know the process of say logo design mm. uh, can be quite flippant I suppose if you don't know yeah. what decisions are being made I mean d- any sort of design as I'm sure Scott will agree is about decision making you, you, you're constantly making decisions as to why to do something or why not to do something a great definition of great design which I always use is it's not what you can add to something it's what you what you can take away because I find a lot of things that are over-designed, even brands can be over-designed, they're embellished with all sorts of visual noise, if you like. Some of the best logos in the world are so simple. So I think as a de- designing for a new product, you've got to be careful. You can't get too carried away. You've got to try and make things very simple. So it's things like logos, packaging design, page layout that you, that you might put documentation on, it's all of that. 
Oh, okay. Well, if you're looking at it from a production point of view, yes, you've got to consider all those things. But but what I'm saying is even from that perspective, if you have a design or some visual design that's quite intricate, let's just say you're, let's just say, for instance, which is ridiculous, that your logo is a photograph. Now, every time you want to reproduce that photograph, it's going to cost an arm and a leg. If you're going to have to put that on a a business card per se or Mm. some presentation folders. But if you can just concentrate on color and shape, which is what most logos are, it's very simple to reproduce and it won't cost you as much. So there's also the cost side of branding as well, where I'll look at it and think, okay, if you haven't got a million dollars to spend on reproduction, well, then we've got to make it simple. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're a multinational that's going to spend, yeah. and even they don't do it either. I mean, no. they do it for other reasons, but there's also the, yeah, the, the cost aspect yeah. of it as well. So it's a balance. And then we had verbal branding. So I think the example we used uh, earlier was outfish your mates on my sinkers. Um, it's all about a, a little message. Is that correct? A little message that hits home? Oh, yeah, well, sure. I mean, I think probably one of the most exciting areas of, of, of branding overall for me is, is verbal branding. It's how you talk about your product. It's the taglines and slogans that you use because these are all opportunities to frame your product uh, and to start and to tell message. a story. Yeah. So you could be quite literal in your name, for instance, but then you could be quite obscure and funny and, and, and clever with your tagline. Or what's probably the better way around is is to be quite explicit with your tagline. I mean, well, I think one of the greatest opportunities that's missed with any company, regardless of whether it's a new product or you know a patentable um, design, is just simply telling the truth. A lot, a lot of the times I'll come into a project and all I'm really doing is telling the truth. And I think we go back to Scott's quick change. That's all I was doing there. I'm just simply outlining what it does. It's the outcome. I'm not trying to embellish it with anything. I'm not trying to be smart. I'm not trying to be clever because if we also go back to the point of someone's walking past this on a shelf, why should we get them to guess? And you know, I've come, I've, I've had people come to me and say, "Oh, I've got this great tagline. It's it's really clever. It's tongue in cheek." I th- well, that's great, but is that going to help you sell? It's an in joke. <laughs> well, yeah, it's only it's something that you understand, and now I only understand because you've told me. Yeah. And then you say, "Well, what's a customer going to think? Will they yeah. understand it from that perspective? Are you going to put a definition on the back?" Yeah. You know, so you've got to be very pragmatic very about this. On this podcast, try and not use jargon anywhere because we understand <laughs> we're not yeah. we're not talking to industry experts. We're talking to individuals who are interested in the, in the topic. Well, that's, that, that's right. And I guess you're the same thing. You, you know, you're basically talking to a newbie. You've got a new product, you put it on the market, you've got on the shelf, in amongst a thousand other products, and you've got a sort of 30 seconds to tell that person what, what I'm doing. Or, or less. Yeah. And that's the problem these days. I mean, we've got such a... Uh, most industries and markets are saturated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of that, you've got markets or media spaces, I mean, we all watch YouTube, there's so much advertising going on, the, the, the amount of noise mm. around us every day is just absolutely phenomenal. So you've got to try and cut What's through that noise. Like 50,000 ads a day we see? That's, oh, that's a figure uh, I'd heard yeah. prior to Facebook and prior to YouTube and all these things. That's probably higher. Yeah, and so we, we sort of get, uh, we, we all sort of get fatigued, if you like, with message. And that's why I say, you know, it's often the best thing to tell the truth with your marketing because you've got a limited opportunity these days to, to have any sort of meaningful time with your target customer base. You know, people aren't going to sit there and investigate your product. That's just the reality. Uh, in the first instance, you know, it, it, that's, that if you can get them to that step to want to inquire further, that's a tremendous goal to achieve. You know, buying it after that point is, you know, almost fanciful the way I look at it. So, not fanciful, but it's, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. You know, so I've got a client at the moment who's only sold a few units, but I've said, 
keep going. You, mm. You've sold a few. You don't know these people. They're not family and friends. There's opportunity there, obviously. It's working. That's a tremendous step. You know, so it's, it's slow steps. But as long as you've got marketing and branding strategy in place, it's going to allow you to do that. That's, uh, it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's, it's not rocket science either. One of the things we did on the thinkers was to find the key benefit. So one of the taglines, top right-hand side of the packaging now, is find the strike zone fast. That's exactly what it does. So sometimes it's actually hard. You've lived with the product for years sometimes, mm. and you become immune to what it does. Well, you, because, you need someone well, from the outside like Hamish to come along and go, what does your product actually do without even talking to you? And he needs to sort of isolate the key, the key benefit and yeah. make it obvious on the packaging or well, obvious and, on the and brand. Look to, and to, look, to be fair to you, Scott, I mean, look, it's, it's a, if I can use this analogy, it's a bit, you're, you're designing a car, but you're not driving it. You're looking at it, you're, you're how, do, how can I improve this product? It's an amazing product. I know it's amazing, but then put it in the hands of a driver. Let them get in it and experience it, and then they'll tell you what is unique about it and the best way to, to use that product. So, yeah, that's all I did is I came in and I sat in the car and I realised what it was all about. It wasn't about how good the engine was. It wasn't about how well the doors closed. It was about the experience and how it can help me get from, to get from A to B. Yeah, excellent. Well, that's been really informative. Hopefully you guys uh, have learned as much as I have in that little session. Thank you, Hamish, for the insights. You've been listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick.